1: Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Right. Awesome. Awesome. So you guys got kind of a different, unique story in how you buy properties. I really am really excited to get into this podcast and understand what you guys are doing. But before we do that, though, can you guys just kind of give us your little backstory of how you guys came to be and a little bit more about your background, about your company?
2: Yeah. Absolutely. My name is Ryan Webster. I'm one of the founders here at Equity Yield Group. and We're a multifamily acquisitions investment firm focused on uh, the acquisition of institutional quality, late model multifamily assets, well-located in strong growth markets. We do look for a light to moderate value-add component, but we don't really do heavy lifts or heavy repositions. Prior to multifamily acquisitions, I own and operated a construction development company here in the Midwest. I'm on the other side of the business in the, the build and sell model as opposed to the buy and hold.
3: And so my background's a little bit different to Ryan's. I'm from Australia originally. I'm based now in Miami, Florida. My background's in finance and insurance. So I've spent 20 plus years in the corporate world, started out as an analyst, moved into sales over time. I always invested in real estate on the side. Since 2010, I've been invested in real estate. I started with single family homes, eventually moved into passive investing in syndications. And then around 2019, 2020, got more active and and met Ryan and together started acquiring these large multifamily assets in the Southeast. Oh, wonderful.
1: So in that, Ryan, you said kind of the thing, which was institutional assets, light, To moderate kind of construction. So just walk me through your guys's, your typical deal and what does it look like and why? And just give us your model of why that's your spot.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it starts with the fundamentals of the market. That's what's gonna determine. Your growth, your rent growth, and your cash flow, and then the opportunity for appreciation. So that's first and foremost our focus is is buying in very strong markets with strong fundamentals that are going to help mitigate risk. And after that, it's finding the best location and buying the best product that we can. You know, our typical deal size lately has kind of been in this uh, fifty to ninety million dollar range, anywhere you know, anything over a hundred units. But lately, it's kind of been in this two to three hundred units per property range.
1: When you look at those properties, so just kind of the growth component, it's really just looking. Like you're looking for consistency, right? I mean, it's just a nice momentum play with maybe some micro repositionings or- Yeah, like- I think
2: micro repositioning is a good way to put it. We do look for a value-add component and the ability to force appreciation. But in that, we're really looking for a delta between us and our competitor properties. Typically, that comes in the form of just outdated unit interiors. Generally, we buy properties that are late model products. So they're already typically well amenitized. There's not any deferred maintenance because they're recently built You know, in the last 20, 30 years tops. They're generally in good neighborhoods already. So it's really about kind of matching our product to the competitor's product and capturing that loss to lease and then riding the strength of the market growth after that.
1: Right, I love that type of play too. Those are hard to find, but when you do find them and they're in the right markets, you're like, okay, this is a strong property, strong location. Let's go cabinets, fixtures. I call it lipstick. Yeah. Right, and you're like, okay, that's an easy turn for us. These are really unit turns, but we're just gonna do it blank percentage, right? And that's your value add right there.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think a prime example of that. And Warren, you can probably speak more to the detail of that. Is we have a, a property in Sarasota, Florida, called uh, Oakwood Apartments that we've seen phenomenal success, and I think we're seeing recent lease tradeouts of some units up to seven hundred dollars.
1: Wow, that's
3: huge! Yeah, I can go into details of that one if you like. So that was one hundred and forty-eight units. We purchased it at the beginning of twenty twenty-one. It kind of fits the, the mold of what Ryan was talking about. It was built in 2016, so it was a really new building. But there was that interior value-add play because the kitchens looked old. The kitchens were cheaply put together. There was clearly a value-add play by putting in new cabinets, dropping new granite. And so like Ryan mentioned, rents have exceeded pro forma by more than 50%. So that's been a great textbook kind of example of what we like to buy. It's a newer building with great construction.
1: But that's the desire. Once it's called meeting the desire with demand, right? That demand on the new product already wants a nice product, but it's lacking, that's where you're like, oh, this was done wrong in the build. They should have done this and they didn't, right? And boom, let's do that. All of a sudden, beat your performer by 50% everybody thinks that you're the messiah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So that's been a great one to have and work on the
1: last year. Now, in these institutional deals, are you guys finding institutional money to fund it? Like, how are you structuring these types of deals?
2: Yeah, it's a bit of a mix. It's a deal by deal basis, how we structure the capital stack. But from the development side, it has some familiarity with working with institutional capital. And for us, it's really about reducing the cost of the total capital stack and being able to maximize returns for our common equity investors at the same time, mitigating risk. So we have worked with institutional equity partners in the form of preferred equity, joint venture equity, and then occasionally mezzanine debt.
1: Right. And I always say that always comes with a cost, right? That I always say institutional monies can be expensive. Sometimes it can be cheap, though. If you find the right group that wants to have the relationship, sometimes it's cutthroat, right? So due to the product type that we buy, they are institutional
2: quality assets which has a lot of demand not only among the senior lenders but also the institutional funds because it's a product type sure. that they like their cost of capital is usually pretty inexpensive but you know it does come with some caveats and you have to have some experience and understand how negotiations with these groups are going to go and what you're able to push back on and which you can't
1: it's all about control at that point right how much control do you get or how much do you give up or like how much say do they have in your project, right?
2: Yeah, and for us, it's really, we want to have from the get-go, total and complete control. We recognize that if we at a variance to our business plan, that's when we're able to give in step and rights of control. But until that point, it's our baby.
1: Yeah, it has to be that. I don't think, I've seen it done the other way where it gets like convoluted. Yeah. And it never works out well for anybody, right? I think that's one of those things you have to fight for your right to make sure that you get to see your business plan through and let the capital be the capital, right? Like it's not active, it's passive for a reason. Absolutely. Let us do what we know what to do. Yeah, and
2: at the end of the day, the best person to execute the business plan is the people that wrote the business plan.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, in our new environment with like the rates and what's going on currently, How is that affecting you guys now? Yeah,
2: more or less business as usual, but it's really been kind of a proof of concept and confirmation in our investment strategy in that real estate investment has always been and will be about the fundamentals as far as the market fundamentals and the fundamentals of business. Uh, That's going to determine your growth, your downside potential, and the potential for appreciation. And our focus has always been on the fundamentals of the business and the market. So that's allowed us to see quite a bit of success, even as we move in more volatile times with the debt market here.
1: So are you guys, are you changing any assumptions that you were making on debt and like, what does that look like?
2: Yeah. Going out to the debt market now daily on deals that we're bidding on, especially on the variable rate debt, and then we have to underwrite a you know, month over month debt service To the forward projection. We've always bought very aggressive interest rate caps. We're continuing to price those in our sources and uses. However, they've gone up significantly in value. But the other side of that is we've had some windfalls and the aggressive caps we bought 12 months ago on properties are now worth multi-million dollars more than we paid for them.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does change our
3: underwriting. So not just looking at debt service costs, but about the refi as well. So whereas in the past, we used to assume that, or sometimes if the deal made sense, we assumed that in year three, we could refi and probably get 75% loan to value. Now we're thinking those proceeds might not be available because lenders are going to be constrained by DSCR, the debt service coverage ratio, not the LTV. And some of the projections that we've made on some deals, we think maybe only 50, 55% loan to value is going to be available at refi. So it's really changing our whole view of that bridge to agency debt strategy.
1: Yeah, that really is the piece, right? So, so it's tr- like marry, you're marrying two different loan products, and we're trying to look in the future and say, where are we going to land? And then then we have cap rate discussion as well. Does it keep compressing slightly? You know, is it going to ease up a little bit? These are the questions that I've been asking myself as well. And my team, you know, no one has a magic wand. Everybody has different opinions but in these institutional these nicer products that are a little bit more expensive what do you guys see on that side of things for cap rates
2: yeah i think cap rates will probably level off on this product i don't really see them going up again the fundamentals of the market are going to continue to drive rent growth and at the end of the day that's what your focus should be it should be on net cash flow and growth and not so much on the value at exit cuz Your whole business plan hinges on this massive appreciation. That's not really a business plan. It's a lot closer to gambling. But if you can buy an asset that cash flows and you have fundamentals that are going to show that this cash flow is going to grow, then that asset's definitely going to be worth something down the road.
0: At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room.
1: I agree. So that's my motive apparatus as well and because and really when you talk about the fundamentals we're talking about like so what's going on with the marketplace supply and demand, right? In the right markets there's just a tremendous amount of demand And less and less supply. Absolutely. And then there's
2: a third component to that there's supply
1: and demand. Demand's driven by the net migration. You have
2: people that need a place to live. A lot of those are moving with jobs, and then you have supply constraint, supply chains, construction costs, lack of availability of land, et cetera. There's not going to be enough housing in the future. And the next piece is the affordability component. Rents will only be able to continue to grow so long as people can afford them. So you want to invest in areas that have a stable and a growing economy, that have job growth and wage growth so people can afford to pay
1: the rents. Yeah, wage growth. We've not talked about that piece in a while that's the thing. It's got to come with the inflation piece and it's going to lag. It always does a little bit, but like in some markets, there's some markets are stronger than others. And I think that's really what you guys are saying when you're looking at the fundamentals, you're looking at all these macro items and then taking it down and say, okay, this is why we're playing in these markets, right? Absolutely. Those fundamentals, that's what's going
2: to drive the assumptions in your business plan. That's what's going to drive the growth. Uh, We can pop, numbers in a spreadsheet all day long but those numbers versus reality are going to be driven by the fundamentals in that area
1: yep i agree and that really is the basis of investing but so many times though you know they got group guys that, you know these teach gurus there's like oh this is a deal it's a deal because the next numbers work but they've never really taken enough time to back up and say what is this area really doing right and that's where they get caught because all of a sudden oh That growth didn't happen like I thought it would. Oh, and if that starts to go the other way, then it can get really bad really fast. Absolutely. And then then
2: it comes back to cash flow. I mean, things aren't always going to go 100% to plan, plan, can't control economic contraction. But do you have the cash flow to wait it out if you have
1: to? Right, exactly. Deeper pockets makes ships sell. (laughs) What would you guys say, what does your perfect deal really look like, right? If you were to say, here's my magic wand. Here's my best favorite recipe that I, we like to bake. I'll give it to Warren because Warren ain't talking enough. So the perfect deal is probably in the best submarket with the highest median income
3: in a primary, secondary, strong market in the Southeast. It would be a product built in the early 2000s. So it's probably getting on 15, 20 years old. Yeah. There's an opportunity to start to rehab, clean up the interiors of the apartment, where there's an opportunity to push rents two, three, four hundred dollars 400 given the amount of gross that's happening in that submarket.
1: Wow. That's interesting. I, I feel like that is a great recipe, by the way, right? And when I think about even some of the deals, I've been doing a lot of student housing deals lately, right? So I, I've been in the student space. No, I've been buying in different markets. I've been actually buying in what I call division two markets, right? They're not as strong, right? But then I go back into the fundamentals of the college itself. and What's the college growth look like? And is it state funded, right? And what's my historical? But we just did something almost like we're buying a property right now. It's like 40 million bucks, 2007 build. And it's got that little repositioning play. We're going to raise it $75 a bed. right? Four beds in a deal. That's our $200, 200 plus value add. And you're like, dude, and it cash flows. Cash flows now, it'll cash flow even more when we get down the road, right? And that's a great recipe, right? It's one of those that makes you sleep at night. Yeah. Sounds perfect. Where is that one? It's outside of space. Pittsburgh. It's called Slippery Rock University in Pennsylvania, just north 40, 40 minutes north of Pittsburgh. And so it's kind of a nice little sub-market of the Pittsburgh market. But if it's kind of a value-add state school, if you're living in Pittsburgh and you want your kids to get the college experience, but you may want a, a little bit of a value play, you're sending them there. And it's heavily, and the other thing we look for is it's got to be heavily, and we like medical, right? So, this is a big nursing program, mm-hmm. and baby boomers are get retiring more and more, right? So, nursing programs get a lot of state funding, Got it. and so, they are like, boom, okay, that's, we see that as continuing to grow for the next five, ten years, we're like, yep, that's where we want to be. Absolutely. Right? Follow the baby boomers. Now, how did you guys meet and put this all together? Because I think that's, there's a little story there, because you guys kind of gave your guys this Bios real quick, but like how did you guys see that piece and that partnership? Because partnerships are hard sometimes, right? And but you guys seem like you've done it really well. We met
3: through a mentorship program. We had both joined that program. I think we both got into it for similar reasons. We wanted to accelerate development in multifamily. We wanted to surround ourselves with people who were doing similar things and doing better things. The group we joined was cool, a lot of like-minded people. It had a great culture. We found that we were both underwriting the same kind of deals. And we started talking to each other and said, have you looked at this one? Have you looked at that one? What we really found was that we both shared this similar philosophy of what makes a great investment. Given our different backgrounds, we kind of led to the same conclusion. We both wanted the newer products. We didn't like the the old buildings with deferred maintenance and cost overruns. We wanted to create a professional organization with great customer service. Like We had had experiences with other syndicators that maybe didn't communicate at all or enough or accurately or transparently enough. So we had a shared philosophy for what's a great real estate investment, but also how to run a business professionally. And given that shared vision, yeah, things have just been working
0: really well from the beginning. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room.
1: I really see that you guys are two different personalities too, right? I mean, just by talking, I can tell common theme, then that's what you need sometimes in the business. You need one person to do one thing and the other person does the other thing, right? So it's usually when the glove fits really good, it's like, okay, this is easy. It's not hard, right? And a lot of times it's about having the same vision. Here's what I go back to. Why do people buy older apartments? Well, I think in the beginning they do it because that's all the money they think they can raise.
3: Yeah.
1: Right? And I'll say I failed that first, right? My first, now this is my 2011, but my first deal was like 3.2 million. But it was what I felt like I could raise. And I think I wish I would've challenged myself a little bit more now that, actually now we're buying 40, $50 million deals, $60 million deals. I wish I would have challenged myself and finding better money partners earlier on to put together the, cause the bigger deals are actually easier. Don't, would you guys agree, Ryan? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're easier
2: to operate. So there, there's higher commercial demand for them. When you go to make an exit, there's a lot of advantages to, to going bigger and, and buying you know, better quality properties. On that point,
3: actually, I think there's something else that's really contributed to our success. And that is, we knew from the beginning, this was the kind of asset we wanted to buy. And we knew that it was going to cost $20, 30000000 million plus. So we had to come up with a solution to raise the money to buy that kind of asset. So very early on, we were intentional about building relationships with institutional equity as part of that solution. Not the whole solution, but part of it. Conversations with these six months, nine months before we ever found our first deal and that helped a lot. We really understood their appetite so that we knew that we needed to find an asset that fitted their appetite and that really allowed us to get over that hurdle of not knowing how much money we could actually raise
1: ourselves. Yeah, that's huge. That's really huge. And it's plowing the field, man, sowing the seed, right? You don't get a harvest right away, but you put in that work and knowing that that had to be the solution to get to the product type that you guys knew and felt was the right business plan.
3: Exactly.
1: And then really, you just operated your business plan the way you guys saw it, right? It needed probably a little bit longer runway than most people, but you went out and, and intentionally did the work. Absolutely. Yep. Made all the difference. So what does your guys' portfolio look like now? And how long have you guys been doing it together?
3: 18 months or so, we've been active. We've currently got just over $180 million of assets under management. And we'd love to grow that. We'd love to double it this year if we can. It'll depend on market conditions, but that's the goal.
1: Yeah, that would be huge. It doesn't take very many deals. One or two deals, right, in that price range gets... Three deals a year, like get you there. Absolutely. Can of wrap this thing up? And I really appreciate you guys giving me that insight on this type of market. A lot of people really look for the heavy value add, right? But I think there's a lot of value in what you guys just said, because I'm doing it as myself as well. I'm looking at the cash flow side of things more importantly right now in this market. I don't care what the market does, as long as I can cash flow out of it, then I'm good, right? If I get a bump for it, great. If the market goes down, I can weather the storm that's my angle in the today's volatility market right and if i can raise rents along the way the more i can raise them up and do those micro repositionings boom that's we're good right
2: absolutely i couldn't agree more and there's money to be made in the heavy reposition heavy value add but there's it comes with a lot of execution risk You have to execute the business plan as written. There's not a lot of room for cost overruns. There's not a lot of room for schedule overruns. And with the current supply chain, labor shortages, it's hard to run a big construction project right now. And then you got to look in all those business plans. They go in with pretty expensive money and they all hinge on hitting a refinance. And in a raising interest rate environment, it's hard to hit a refinance with any sort of guarantee.
1: Yeah, and you could be so forced to sell. So very interesting. It really is. It, when you start talking about, it, you think about it like, wow, this makes a lot more sense than I thought, right? Like, and I think that is a really nice niche you guys are in. And it looks like you guys are doing really well. And I think there's going to be a lot of growth. So if people are looking to learn more about your guys' company and what you guys do, where do they find you at? Best place is
3: our website, equityyieldgroup.com. You can go on there, you can contact us, sign up for our monthly newsletter, sign up for our investor intake. But that's
1: the best way. Awesome. And I always like to ask, is there any books or anything you guys have been reading lately that have really kind of moved your needle or said, man, that's a really good read.
3: I'm trying to think. There's so much. I read The Creature of Jekyll Island recently. I'm not sure if you've heard of that book. It's about monetary and the Fed and how potentially corrupt the system is. That was quite eye-opening for me.
1: Ryan, you got anything? Yeah, actually.
2: Before Warren jumped in. I was going to say that was one that he referred to me that was pretty good. It's definitely eye opening. But yeah, outside of that, the Ray Dalio's the big debt cycle um, is another good,
1: relevant one for the times. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. And what would, advice would you give to anybody that's maybe starting out in real estate, in commercial side, doing apartments? What would you want to tell them about that process?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, remember, it is a business and have a good understanding of the fundamentals of business and real estate. And then you got to go for it and take action. It's hard, it takes grit and persistence.
3: I always say it's a cliche about being a team sport, but it's very true. I think you have to get out there and talk to other people trying to do the same thing. Surround yourself with people who are a step or two ahead. And that's the best way to quick success. If you try and do it on your own, it's impossible.
1: Yeah. the Power of the mastermind of the groups. I think that's what I believe in as well. I think you can get a lot faster surrounding yourself with like-minded people. And and I'll give a little plug for what we do. So if you guys are looking to join a mastermind that listen to this podcast right now, we've got a great one called Investor Fuel Cash Flow Group. And that's where we act, take people just like you, that are looking to get in the multifamily space. We help them along. We give them the right people, the right contacts. And our group is doing lots. I think we did maybe $200 million worth of acquisitions last year. So not bad. But to get that, you're going to text FUEL to 480-500-1127. So guys, I want to thank you to for coming on the podcast really insightful on really finding a niche that most people are probably a little bit afraid of, but I think you guys are hitting the nail right on the head with the business plan and the opportunity. So good luck to you guys going forward. And for everybody listening to this podcast, listen, it really comes down to belief. These guys made up their minds. They wanted to get in real estate. 18 months in, you know, they committed to themselves, committed to a partnership, found each other, diligently worked, and, and they're successful. And it really comes down to belief, guys. If you believe it, you can achieve it and your paradise is possible.